Hi folks, Mike Butler here. As some of our regular listeners may or may not be aware, we record our podcast about a month and a half ahead of time. So when we recorded this episode of Forgotten Cinema, it was about a week or so before Peter Fonda's unfortunate passing on August 16th, 2019. He was a great actor, and our condolences go out to his friends and family. In this episode, you will hear both myself and Mike Field refer to him in the present tense and thought that our listeners should know why that was. Thanks, and enjoy this episode of Forgotten Cinema. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast, where each episode we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it's because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with the audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, and decide whether the movie is worth a revisit, which we usually say it is. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. So let's start with the show. What's going on? Nothing. That's cool. Nothing. Just sit back, enjoy my coffee, getting ready to talk about some westerns. That's right. Or just one western. This is also our first uh, user uh, submitted or listener submitted. Oh right, right, episode. right. So we are doing the 2007 western 310 to Yuma, which is a remake of the 1957 uh, western of the same name. Uh, and this was suggested to us by Mike's mommy. Aww. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. I suggested 310 to Yuma because it is one of my favorite Western movies. And it ranks up there, in my opinion, with The Searchers and The Sons of Katie Elder, if you're into Western movies. And I think that's why people don't go see them anymore is because they're too young to remember the old movies. They haven't watched them. This movie... You will remember it is a story that everybody can relate to, men and women. It's like, what is my life all about? And you get to sit there and be riveted to this whole movie by not wanting to let this character do the wrong thing, and he tries not to. And the bad guy, you actually learn his moral center. Yeah, this is this is a really good movie. And... You really can't forget it, and I ran out and bought it the next day because I really want to watch this over and over. So, Mike, why don't you, uh, I guess, break down the plot a little bit. But don't reveal cast because that's my thing. I, I, I can... <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm kidding. So uh, some unknown actor plays. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie basically stars Russell Crowe as the outlaw Ben Wade and Christian Bale as Dan Evans, a small-time rancher down in his luck who lives right off a small town of Brisbane, and somewhere out west. I don't know if they say what state they're in. Uh, I think it's Texas, isn't it? Or Kansas or Kentucky. You know what? As you can do your plot, I will look. Okay. Because I, I, I'll look. I'll look. Hang on. Go ahead. Continue. So Dan Evans, a small-time rancher, 
down on his luck. His son, William Evans, played by Logan Lerman, kind of looks down on him. And uh, he's got another small son and his wife, Annie, played by Gretchen Maul, kind of live a, a, a tough life. And one day while trying to rustle cattle, Dan Evans kind of finds himself witnessing one of Ben Wade's attacks on the Pinkerton group and a, an armored car. We are in the great state of Arizona. Ooh, okay, Arizona. So in Arizona... <laughs> we suck. <laughs> Christian Bale is able to point the Pinkertons toward where uh, Ben Wade left for, which was the nearby town of Brisbee. Dan Evans also goes to Brisbee to try to convince a uh, rich land o- landowner who kind of owns some of Dan's property to let him have a little bit more time to you know, work out the season, to get his cattle going, and to help improve his ranch. I don't know if he owns his property. I think he owes the guy money. He just owes the guy. Okay, you know, he, he owes the guy borrowed, money. He borrowed money from him, and then, like, he has a stream that has obviously to make all of his uh, – his water comes into his property, to Evan's property, to make all of his, you know, land bountiful. Yeah, so this rich guy's not letting water This rich guy shut the thing. damned off the stream because yeah. he's like, water stars on my place, uh, something like that. <laughs> uh, so as Dan is in a fit of rage going to go after the rich landowner <laughs> because he can't get what he wants, uh, he ends up meeting Ben Wade again. And is kind of instrumental in distracting Ben Wade enough for the Pinkerton group to arrest him. At that point, the Pinkerton group has a plan to bring Ben Wade to another nearby town, or not too nearby, <clears throat> to Contention, Arizona, where the, he will take the 310 train to Yuma Prison. But the Pinkerton group needs more men to come with him because they're afraid of Ben's outlaw group, led by his second-in-command now, Charlie Prince, played by Ben Foster. Um, and those group of outlaws will kill the Pinkertons. So they recruit, or Dan Evans offers his services as an ex-sharpshooter for the Union in the Civil War for $200, which I have a note, $200. $5,200. Is about $5,177.46 oh, today. See, I rounded up. Don't take my notes. <laughs> so the Pinkertons agree to pay Dan if he'll escort Ben to the train and get him on the train. They are also joined by a doctor, played by Alan Tudyk, who plays Doc Porter, who's taking care of the last surviving Pinkerton member, Byron McElroy, who uh, has been shot in the gut, but has a history I I keep of chasing I, down I, I Ben Wade. I feel like that's inappropriate. That this is people, inappropriate. This is really this rough. Was shot in the I gut. Should, I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> um, and a couple of other near-dwells, I guess you would call them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So basically, they got to take them to the kid. Yeah, they're all in it for the money for the most part, except for, uh, well, I mean, I'm sure Byron's in it for the money as well, but it's also a little personal because he's got a a bit of a history with Wade. So over time, the group is whittled down one by one as Ben Wade either attacks and kills them or is able to get them killed through kind of messing with their heads and kind of breaking apart the group. And over the course of the film, establishes a bit of a rapport with Dan and his son, William, and it becomes kind of the be- end scene is kind of a chase to get a race for Ben Wade <laughs> to kind of get Dan to the 310 to human to kind of prove to himself and his children, everyone who knows him, that Dan Evans is worth something. He's, he's an honorable man. Well, I mean, we'll dive into that. Well, yeah. So that's basically the plot. It's just getting Ben Wade, the outlaw Ben Wade, to the 310 to Why couldn't you just say that? You just you just spent five minutes talking about <laughs> <laughs> Now I want to describe the colors and contention. <laughs> So Contention's a small town, about 80 folks. You called it Convection. I did call it Convection. Terrible. The folks will never know, though, because I let that out. Oh, damn oh, it. Yeah. That, damn it. But my mistakes get in there. That's, That's fucking amazing. right. Amazing. 
All right, so real quick, just to kind of go through like some some facts or uh, surrounding the production, surrounding well the actual release. This movie was released on September seventh, two thousand seven. Was originally going to be released October fifth, but Lionsgate moved it up a month to avoid. Uh, there were a couple other westerns that were coming out around closer towards the end of the year with uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford that stars Brad Pitt and um, Casey Affleck. Mm-hmm. And No Country for Old Men, which starts. This is a Coen Brothers movie, which stars uh, Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Josh Brolin. Right. Which is I like that. I love that movie a lot. I do not like that. Movie. Boo you. Uh, so so that was its original release was October fifth. Moved up to September seventh. So it released up against the Brothers Solomon. Do you remember that? Shoot 'em up. I like Shoot 'em up. It's really off the wall, but I like Shoot 'em up. That's actually a good one for us. Which one's Brother Solomon? Brother Solomon is with Will Forte. It's a comedy. It's really forgettable. Oh, okay. Uh, so that was its competition. Uh, the week after coming out on the 14th was Mr. Woodcock, which is actually not that bad. That's what William Bob Thornton and when he's when he and Susan Sarandon and um, Stifler. <laughs> I don't remember his name right now. I'm just gonna say Stifler. Sean William Scott. I, excuse me. Mr. Woodcock was his like he, he was his gym teacher and he tortured him. He was like a real jerk. Okay, all right. It's actually not that bad. I've seen. That. Okay, uh, so that was the following week. That was Mr. Woodcock and the Brave One, which is Jodie Foster, the uh, vigilante. The Brave One is really right. Good. And then, so I mean, honestly, it came out at a decent time because these are not you know huge, huge. Uh, Big hits. Right. They're good movies. There's some good movies in there. Well, we're looking at September, October now. So we're True. looking at. You're also lo- it, it also came out a week after uh, the Rob Zombie Halloween, the first one that came out on August 31st. And, and the Death Wish-like movie Death Sentence, which is written by the same uh, writer that, that comes with the same uh, series of novels starring Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean... Now, it's it, it. I wouldn't say that you're right. It's in like that kind of like murky September release area where I, I think everybody's coming down from all the all their summer. Everyone's back and they're going to school. Everyone's like kind of like getting to the routine. I think it's very easy for movies to get lost there because you know people are you know trying to get into their you know kids and school routine and everything. Just I think it's, yeah, they're less likely to right have right. Seen it. But it's also it. So it won its first week. It was uh, it made fourteen million its opening weekend. It beat out Halloween, uh, which was in its second week. Um, but then the following week, it lost out to the Brave One. So it, it kind of had one week where the, its opening week it did, you know, number one. But then after that, it went down. Mm-hmm. You also have to remember too that this is the fourth week of Superbad, so which was a huge summer hit, right? And it was still in the top five around that time. Uh, this movie also had I don't know why I have this round here, but this movie also had a sneak peek. A week before it released on the second, I don't know if that helped it at all. But like we have that, we get that a lot of yeah. times. We we get sneak peeks of movies that, um, you know, people are trying to get kind of like get people to talk about it, word of mouth, get that kind of for, stuff. Yeah. The most yeah. recent one I think we had was uh, probably yesterday. Yeah, we also had that Angry Birds two. I forgot. Yeah, no one, no one went to that. Nobody came, which I find funny because. I watched in the ad for through the day, and it was like, critics agree. Everyone is oh, And it's the same critic, by the way, that they use the oh, quote. Of course. And I'm like, nobody came to ours. <laughs> and it wasn't <laughs> even in a big house. <laughs> um, okay, so this back to 310 to Yuma. Okay. It's 122 minutes long, rated R, budget of $55 million. Domestically, it made 53 worldwide 70 So clearly, it didn't make a lot. Of, it didn't make any of its money back. Because as we both talk about before we don't even have marketing costs aren't included anything like, like that, that yeah. yeah so we can't even begin to guess you know 
you know, whether it's in the black or red, um, they because they moved up a week, they missed the they get like you know how you release a movie like movies will come out like in the at, at TIFF Toronto International Film Festival right. like when you kind of like have that platform like oh because TIFF is like the I guess one of the first fall um, festivals or like you have it released and they're like oh and then from there it goes off wide oh everyone loved it at TIFF and yeah. Like, yeah okay so it missed that so it couldn't it didn't have that because they moved up but. They would have what ended up happening was because they released in September, they were able to release the DVD and Blu-ray in January, which is just in time for the Oscar push, which kind of helped them when they did this. They did a similar tactic for when they released Crash, and Crash obviously went on to win the Oscar. Yes, I don't like Crash. Uh, so you know, so um, you know, they figured that that would work out here as well. Unfortunately, they only got nominated for two Academy Awards: one for Best Score, one for Best Sound Mixing. Directed by James Mangold, who. You might remember for more recently as from Logan. He's also doing the upcoming Ford v. Ferrari, but he is also known for Copland, Girl Interrupted, Night and Day, and The Wolverine. Eh, he's got a mishmash of stuff. He's quality quality director. You like The Wolverine? I like The Wolverine up until... The Wolverine is very good, up in, especially the unrated cut, up until they get to the factory. Once they get to the facility at the end... Right. It, when he puts on the mechanical, well, yeah, it just outfit. becomes like this weird Iron Man thing. You're yeah. doing a personal journey, and now you're getting yeah. really over the top cartoony with it, and it just yeah. really destroys the movie. I saw Cop when he did Copland. That's the one with Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. Where he's I, like the Copland. I saw Copland. I, I I think I told you this. I saw Copland at Fairfield Cinemas prior to its being released. It was like a work print, so they had music in there that wasn't in the original, and they had um, it was packed, and they had scenes in there that they cut out. For the for the for the final cut, no, that's cool. And I, so the rumor has it that De Niro was in the back, and I think Keitel was in the back, watching as we were watching it. But I never saw them, so I don't believe that. <laughs> but um, but the but the movie I saw in the theater is much better than the movie that's out that came out uh, uh in, theaters. in the theaters. I, I don't I don't know what why, but there was a lot of stuff in there were a lot of scenes that they took out that I really liked. So but I I always say like oh I like Copland, but then I'm like ah, but I don't not. Not the one that you keep seeing. Everyone sees. <laughs> I like the secret, the super special Mike Field only print. <laughs> well, Mike Field and you know 180 other people that were in there. Now the writing credits are interesting because the this was obviously based on the 1957 movie starring Glenn Ford, right? Of the same name as I said before, and that was written by Halstead Wells. Uh, he has a writing credit on this one, obviously because they're using a source material and because he passed away in 1990. But just to give you a little background about Halstead Wells. He wrote a lot of TV. So he wrote uh, The Virginian. He wrote a lot of ep- he wrote some episodes for The Virginian, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Suspense, Night Gallery. And fun fact, they spelled his name wrong in the closing credits. <laughs> they might have fixed that since then. But um, so he had the original. Obviously, he has the original uh, uh, script. Then Michael Brandt and Derek Haas came on and did their their version, the 2007 version. Now we've already done a movie with Brandt and Haas have that have has written. Do you know which one we did? Uh, did we do it's already been, it's, Wanted? Yes. Yeah, they they wrote Wanted. So we've already kind of broke down what they've done. Uh, too Fast and Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious, excuse me. Wanted and the upcoming never will never see Wanted 2. <laughs> There's still time. It's still announced. So as we said, shot on location. Oh, uh, we didn't say. Shot on location in New Mexico. Uh, October 2006 to January 2007. Uh the that's it yeah oh actually you you did the cast um I West, did, I did Russell, a decent amount of the cast, Russell yeah. Crowe's Ben Wade Christian Bale Dan Evans Logan Lerman is William Evans who's the 
Dale, Dale, excuse me, Dan's son, Lerman's from, he's in Fury, right? Yes, he is okay. in Fury. He's in a bunch of other stuff. He's actually, yeah. I, li- I like bad. him. Uh, Dallas Roberts is Grayson Butterfield, who is the Pinkerton guy. Uh, ben Foster is Charlie Prince. Peter Fonda is Byron uh, McElroy. Alan Tudyk, as you said, is Doc Potter. And then Gretchen Maul is in there as Alice Evans, the only female in the, in, the, in this movie, besides the uh, bartender. The bartender slash, I don't know if she's a prostitute, slash he wooed her awfully quick. <laughs> yeah, I didn't <laughs> that, get that. Yeah, so... And uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, Gretchen Malfact. She's from Connecticut. She, uh, Deep River, I believe. Deep River, Connecticut. Yes. Which I have no idea where that is. It's 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 up uh, there. So um, I tried to watch the original, and I got about a half hour in, and I fell asleep. Nice, nice. Um, and I and, and some of the time and some of the notes that I was working on or researching. There was some stuff there like that was different from the original, but I couldn't really like like the story elements that they changed and stuff like that. I'm sure it wasn't quite as rough as this one. Right. So, um, but I know that in the original, his son doesn't go with him. His wife does. Oh, really? And the stuff that I had saw, I really should finish it, but the stuff that I saw, like, like she, in in the 57 version, she's all like, you're going to do something about this? You're going to do something? Like, she's the one that's pushing him. And in this one, obviously, he's he's very, he doesn't have a lot of, Lines of dialogue is always in his head, which is cool. Yeah, um, he's the one that's like, he's the one that's he needs to do it. He he's needs in to his, his own family. head, right? Yeah, right, right. He needs the money, that kind of stuff. So I guess off the top, because I always, I, I always tend to asking you this: what, um, what jumped out at you first? And like, when was the last you saw this in the theaters? I saw this in the theaters. I might have seen this again. Um, because I borrowed the DVD from my, yeah, the DVD mom. Why didn't you buy a Blu-ray? And she suggested this? Right. Off of a DVD viewing? She thought she had the Blu-ray. She's like, it's not the Blu-ray? No, mom, it's the DVD. Come on. <laughs> I, I, You're I, such a snob. I know. I compared it against, I actually went, you know what? I'm going to watch this on, on uh, Showtime because it's streaming on Showtime right now. And oh. I was like. It looks the same. I'll just watch the DVD. <laughs> Come on, Showtime. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they had the DVD, and I know my parents love this movie. So I've I've probably watched the movie. I'm gonna say twice, but possibly only just before this. Before the time that we watched it for this, right? For this but podcast. certainly back 2007, sure. 2008. So I'm talking over ten. This sure. is ten years ago. It's definitely a movie that when it's on, I'll watch. It's obviously, the ending is what I like the most. Right. Um, I was. I'm trying to remember if there was things in there that popped out at me that didn't pop. Because when you're watching it, when we watch it for our episodes, you know, you're. I'm watching it with a more, I guess, a filmmaker's eye. Uh, I'm just trying. I'm paying attention to a lot of stuff. I'm trying. I'm not just kind of like just watching. You're, I mean, you're still enjoying it, but you're studying. Right, right. right. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure if there's stuff that popped out. And one of the things that popped out to me in this rewatch was that, like, when we first meet Ben Wade, which everybody calls him by his for a full name, I got five guns on you, Ben Wade. Well, because he's a legendary figure. Yeah, yeah Ben Wade. <laughs> Anyways, um, is that, you know, we're supposed to, you're supposed to kind of like him, like, William Evans does like the son kind of like admires him and right. he keeps telling him and us that I'm um, I'm a bad guy. Right. 
And even as he's kill, because he's killing people, because he kills that first guy who uh, I can't remember the actor's name. Kills Tommy, because Tommy was dumb. Hollander's guy, yeah, the guy that was that was whistling into him, waking him up, and he was. Oh, the, the oh, you talk about after the they capture him. Yeah. Yep. Um, that guy, does, that guy plays like a dick in everything. He's really good at. No, 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 that's like, fine. That's yeah, but he just plays a dick in everything. Every movie I see him, and he's always the jerk. Um, and again, if you can do it, that's great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, He's killing people that are like, because he kills him. This is this is when they have Ben Wade and they're taking him to Yuma. He kills that guy. Then he kills McElroy because he made fun of his mom. Uh, so he his first two kills are of people that are kind of like unlikable uh, anyway. Right. right. So you're kind of like, ah, well, you know. So, but he keeps telling us, "I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm bad." And I I know you talked about it a little bit in your opening. He never really turns away from that until he's strangling Dan Evans at the end and Evans tells him about how he really lost his foot. Right. Uh, where he's one of his, he fell out of a tree and one of his guys shot. Whatever he says he falls he's, he's retreating Somebody and his leg gets shot right. off but it's his, own, it's his own, uh, own guy. Right, right. And he's like, you know, try telling your, your son that your kid's that story Yeah. and see the way they look at you. I have never been no hero, Wade. Only battle I've seen... When he was in retreat, my foot got shot off by one of my own men. You try telling that story to your boy. See how he looks at you then. At that point, then he's like, then like he's like, all right, let's get, let's go. And I when when I first watched this movie, I never really. I you kind of watch it with William's eyes because you're kind of like. He's an anti-hero, and you're kind of like you're rooting for him, but he's a bad guy, but he's a nice guy, he's likable, all that. Oh, I'm talking about Ben Wade. Right. Well, you always want to root for the outlaw in a Western for the right. most part. And then, yeah, and then when he's going to strangle Dan, because he gets shot, and he's like, I'm tired of doing this. And then, yep. like, you know. But then, like, so, but throughout the movie, he's never telling, he's always telling you, I'm not the guy you want to, I'm a bad guy. Right. He's very honest about that. Right, right. I mean, the beginning of the movie, he kind of shows his character. The beginning of the movie, one of his guys is is charged with go check the carriage from when they when they robbed the Pinkerton. You're carriage. talking about Darden, right? Yeah. So he goes in. Obviously, there was a guy in there. He kidnaps Tommy, puts the gun against his head, and is like, "I'm going to kill him." And Wade just kind of holds back, takes his pistol, shoots Tommy, and then shoots the Pinkerton guy. Mm-hmm. And then they have the toast to Tommy. Tommy was an idiot. Tommy got almost got us killed. Tommy's dead. Yeah. Like, um, and you see, oh, damn. There's wow. actually, uh, on the DVD, there's actually uh, some scenes they cut. Like, I watched some of the lost scenes. Uh, or, and there are two scenes with Darden in the beginning before that raid. And he's, like, talking to one of the guys. And he's, like, he's like being an ass. What's my name? Tell my name. And then there's a part where, after the stagecoach flips, he goes to he he's, goes after one of the guys. And he's got his, he's, I get the honor of his knife behind his neck. And he's like, say my name. I'm going to run in this outfit soon. Like, there was already, they put, yeah. I yeah, all right. They put kind of stuff in there so that when he shoots him, he's like, he's running his mouth. It's like, yeah, but like, we didn't know he was running his mouth until I watched this, this, the cut at I, I like it better without him. I, I like him better, you know, just having messed up and just getting killed for that. Yeah. Because... That shows Ben Wade's character, like he's he's running because that's that is is a good point to try to remember later on when he uses the line, you know, uh, when William uh, when Evan uh, William is trying to say, 
oh, you're not a bad guy. You're not really as bad as all that. And then he has the line, which I wrote down because I really like that line, um, where he goes, kid, I wouldn't last five minutes leading an outfit like that if I wasn't rotten as hell. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that's, that's uh, like, as soon as he said that line, I immediately called back to, you know, Tommy Darden getting shot in the gut for messing up. Right, right. No, exactly. He's, yeah. He's, he's up. He's, he's a monster. He's bad. Yeah. You're not all that bad. Guess I am. I would let you die. I would gladly <laughs> let you die. Well, the fact that he murders his entire uh, crew at the end, which... I love in the when I first saw it, but again, watching it again, I was like, because when you read about it, like when you read the synopsis and stuff like that, like we do, like when, you know, when we go off and find certain things on the internet, right? It talks about how like he he executes the remainder of his crew because they wouldn't li- they didn't listen to him, but it's like he didn't really tell them like when when he Dan's like he's like oh you got me on the train Dan is and he's yep. and then he's like oh and then they shoot him and it's like. He really, I don't think the reasoning for him to execute them was because they didn't listen to him as whatever, what oh, I read. no, absolutely I not. I think the reason he did is because he liked Dan and it was a, you know, it was a decent thing that he did and, you know, that's why he killed them. Well, and, what's up? Go ahead. Well, also, yeah, which you might have said, or been, uh, they all touched his gun. That's true. Well, and he makes it uh, known pretty early on. His gun is cursed. Yeah. Every man who touches it dies. That's true. That's true. And they all pass it. That's what I love about I didn't notice the first time I watched it. This scene, at the beginning, his gun is passed to him, so it passes through two people. Yep. At the end, it passes yep. to three people. That's the entirety of the rest of his gang. So when it comes to shooting him, he shoots every person that had held his gun. That's true. That's a good point. I also was going to say that the opening of the movie, I thought, foreshadows the ending of the movie, where he's he's uh, sketching that buzzard. And he's you know he's just there by himself, sketching the buzzard. You know, alone, quiet, yeah. contemplative, probably enjoying that moment. And then uh, Charlie Prince comes up and disrupts it. The buzzard flies away. And he's just like, you could tell that he's somewhat annoyed, but like it's really quick. And then they move on and they carry on. But it's almost like any moment that he has some kind of, not happiness, but peace or just some kind of like, in that moment, he had, he was a, it was a peaceful moment that was disrupted by Prince. Right. Almost foreshadows at, towards the end where. He has a good he has a good moment where he helped this guy and Prince again comes in and kind of blows it up. Yeah. So I thought that that was interesting. I also read somewhere like that's like that. I also read somewhere that the uh, the opening was reminiscent of Gladiator. I'm like, no, it's uh, I like my way better. (laughs) The opening to Gladiator is different because the opening to Gladiator is just supposed to represent. The Elysium Fields that you uh, end up in. The I other think hand. that's somebody like, well, Russell Crowe's in Gladiator and yeah. he's in this movie, so this must connect in some way. No, it's just stop. Yeah, it that's just stupid film theory bullshit that it's they all, try to. It's a shared universe. Russell yeah. Crowe's character is actually <laughs> the great, 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 great ancestor <laughs> call to me, uh, Maximus call me Ben Wade, Maximus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I. I so I didn't really catch that about the gun. I thought that that's actually a really good point. I like that. I like that a lot. Nice job. Thanks. Thanks. Did you know that contention is obviously a real town? I think you're talking about convection. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm talking about not the oven. <laughs> I'm talking about the town of contention is a neighboring town of Tombstone. I did not know yes, that. Yes, I saw that. I thought that was very interesting. interesting. I know, right? Right? Good facts. Good facts. That's it. I'm done. I'm out. All right. I'm out. <laughs> Did you also know that Tom Cruise was initially in talks to play Ben Wade? Although, to be fair, I'm sure Tom Cruise is in talks to play everything. Mm. But I don't know if I would have liked that. I don't think... 
You know, I, I don't know if I would have liked that. I, I, I mean, we've talked about this before. This is this we, we we've done two Tom Cruise movies already. This might have been the third one had he Ooh. said yes. Um, I might not have been had he said yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tom Cruise does a really good job in most of the films he's in. I mean, he does pick a lot of like pulpy action films lately, but. Look just, at him! Look I at him! In, I can't see him in this role. I mean, he's really good in Valkyrie. He's really good in Collateral, and Collateral is almost kind of the same kind of role, that kind of like outlaw villain kind of guy. Like he played a really good villain in um, Vincent for Collateral. So yeah, I don't know, but Russell Crowe does a really good job. Obviously, uh, Russell Crowe's a fantastic actor. Of course, well, I think yeah, I think I that's know. that's one of my big <clears throat> likes is the acting, is just the performances. Oh, of absolutely! Everybody. Yeah. Um, Obviously, especially the two leads, that uh, they're just they're they're doing like it's funny because they're they're two they're definitely two different characters. Uh, like you know, Evans doesn't talk, doesn't mince words, is is in his head, and to even Wade is is in his head a bit, but he's more even when he's outgoing and when he's talkative, it's clearly a diversion because he's thinking about other stuff. Every line he says has a purpose. There's no wasted dialogue with Wade. Which is a good note for people who write. Don't waste dialogue. Well, you can have people who yammer, who stammer on, but it it creates a weaker character when they do that. So, I mean, you can't have that, but everything Wade says... It's just a part of his plan. Mm-hmm. Like he only talks to people because he has to. He's only congenial when he has to be. He's only, you know, uh, charming when he has to be. Like he's mean when he needs to be. Right. Or whatever gets him through the day. He'd rather be, you know, sitting in quiet, sketching, you know, naked ladies lying on a bed. But <laughs> doesn't always well, happen like that. You know what's funny about that is that in the one of the deleted scenes. So after they get him, so he's, he has he hooks up with that bar hooks up with that bartender to use two thousand terms. Oh um, yeah, I don't mind skinny girls, as long as they got green eyes to make up for it. If you got green eyes, Has sketches her and then he tells her like, "Hey, why don't you come down with me to Mexico? I'm not wanted." You know, they pay a lot of money for a white woman who sings, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And she's like, she dismisses it. And so, and then when they they get him, they bring him downstairs, they put him in the coach. And so, in the deleted scene, she appears on the other side of the coach in the window, and she says, "Were you serious about going to Mexico?" And he was like, "No." Like he just straight up. Oh, says, really? Yeah, exactly. So I was like, interesting. So even then, he was BSing her. See, they should have they should have added that line because I would have. I don't know. I could see them cutting it for time, and I can also see them cutting it because it they changes up his they, character a little bit. Right? They still they likeable. want you to kind of be like William and like him, okay? Kind of thing. Yeah. Speaking of William, he is a real jerk to his dad. Like uh, that's my out the movie. Like this, I know what's my fun. third note is that he's an asshole to his <laughs> he, dad. You got your gun on him better than you could. It's like Jesus, kid, relax. <laughs> um. <laughs> He's real, such an ass. But I mean, it makes sense. He's he's a teenager, so you know he's, right. he's he thinks he can do better than his father. He's probably you know, not in, I guess embarrassed, but eh, I guess embarrassed. Father has no, ha- you know, we never even talked about. It. We did it briefly, but you know, he lost his leg, right? So he's he doesn't have a leg. He's hobbling around. I'm sure that's you know, offensive to William in some way. Well, I think uh, it just adds to the weakness of his father, right, the burning right. of the barn at the beginning mm-hmm. of the film. 
um, everything he does is is weak to William. Right. But I thought, but I think that that's one of the overall themes of this movie is it's almost it's stories about a father and a son. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's I mean that's really what it's about. At Dan Evans' part, his core is just about doing something right by his his son. But because in that, you talk about a line you like, the one the line I like. When Gretchen Maul, his wife Alice, is telling, asking him, why are you doing this? And he's like, I'm just tired. I'm tired of the way the boys look at me. I'm tired of the way you don't. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. that, I like that line. Like, that I, so I, line. I enjoyed that. The, 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 you know, the reason why he's doing it is for, I don't want to say pride, but to show his kids that you know, this is what a good man is. And you, know, and you do what you say. And you, know, you don't you know, that can take care of him. That's, that's right. Stuff. And he does end up taking care of him because at the end... When he says, I get into that train, I want you to pay, I want you to give my wife $1,000, and I don't want Hollander to, you know, ever set foot on my land again, and like, to let the water flow and all that stuff. Yeah. And Butterfield's like, I can make that happen, and I'm thinking, how? <laughs> but, you know. Uh, Pinkertons do whatever the hell they the want, for the most part. Call yeah. Are there supposed to be a show about them? Or is it out? Was there supposed to be a TV show called The Pinkertons? Or is it out? Or Oh, I'm, I'm not sure. They're, I mean, Pinkertons appear in a lot of media. Pinkertons, but they're always the bad guy. Because the Pinkertons were bad guys. I know, but not in this one. Not in this one. This is, well, this you got one Pinkerton that was. Who? Um, the guy at the the tunnels. He uh, he was a Pinkerton, or he just knew him. Oh, I felt like he was a fellow Pinkerton that was um at the tunnels, and instead of you know that that guy's mind trying to get right. him back from him. I don't know. Well, maybe I didn't, I didn't catch it with Luke Evans. Luke Evans cameo. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Long Evans, is that right? Is that his name? Not Luke Evans. No. It's um I didn't write it down because I couldn't remember Lukes. his name. There's too many Lukes. Luke Wilson. Damn. Luke Wilson's character yeah, at the the tunnel. Luke Evans is probably went better. <laughs> no, I'm gonna say Luke Evans. So Luke Wilson cameo. Did you catch that? I did catch that. <laughs> With the yellowest of yellow teeth. Well, they all had a little bit of yellow teeth. Right. But obviously probably not as Yellow as they would have really been mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. then. Oh yeah, they probably wouldn't even would have been in his mouth back then. That's the one thing when you watch westerns, uh, like something like this, this movie, or just like, like not westerns that you've seen in the fifties and sixties that are you know stylized, right? And... Westerns now when they get a little bit more real and realistic, it's like I could not imagine living in that time. Like I could not imagine me personally now. Being able to survive in that era. Oh no! If you accidentally got sucked through a time portal and you ended up in the West, like, it's like anybody bathe, anybody brush your teeth. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think I'm an, I'm a good guy, but I think back then I may, I may, I might have killed people back then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. It just, it's, it's, it's a tough time. What's an outlaw got to do to get a goddamn <laughs> toothbrush around here? <laughs> One of the things about the the ending of the movie. What I liked is when they first get out of the, they leave the hotel and the gunfight starts. Mm-hmm. There's like no music. Um, I know the music kind of kicks on when he says, let's get, let's go. When after, and they start the actual the chase music yeah. On. yeah. But before that, there's no music. I actually like that. There's a movie called Open Range with Kevin Costner and Robert Duvall. That's a really good movie. Right. And at the end of that movie, they have a huge gunfight and there's no music and it's awesome. It's just, just the sound of the, the you know, shotguns firing, people diving. Just, it's really good. I, and I like that in this one. I mean, that being said, I do like the music at the end. So when they're, when they're yeah, the score is very it, good. Right. It doesn't take it over, but I do enjoy when they don't use it because I just think that 
you know, like kind of like in Heat at the end in Heat when they're uh, have the gunfight in mm-hmm. the middle of the street and there's nothing. It's just the gunfire. That's great. You know, that, I, absolutely. I, I it adds to that. the serious, adds to the drama to the moment. I think so. Yeah, I think people just not confident in that. Maybe use music and to, to try to kind of hide that. And it's like, don't show it. Do it as it right. is. Right. You also use emo- uh, music to show emotion in the moment too, and maybe. You know, you're so conflicted. You want to do like heroic music, or do you want to do, you know, music that's like it's just better to do no music and let the audience decide what they should feel during the scene. Yeah. What else you got for me? Uh, or for or for us, I should say, not for, for me. For us, I was about how Ben Foster always plays. He's a fantastic actor who always plays this smarmy, weird bad guy, or always plays a bad guy. Well, he's really good. This is a really good role that he that for him in this. Like Charlie Prince, right? Because, but I would question why he's in Warcraft. Because <laughs> he thought it was going to be a big money making next well, it, Lord of the Rings. It probably is. it's big money maker in China. In China, yeah. Aren't they doing a sequel? Uh, they are. Uh, I don't even have to ask that. They are. Are they? They are. I think they are. Yeah. But like I, I like I like Ben Foster, but he does play, you know, a certain style. I mean, maybe that's because he's typecast. Maybe that's what. Casting directors are putting him in. He essentially just plays crazy bad guys. Kind of like, kind of he. Well, he's all he. I group him with Giovanni Ribisi in terms of how they're cast. I don't not. I have not watched Sneaky Pete, so I do not know anything about how he how he is in Sneaky Pete. And I'm talking about Giovanni Ribisi, and I like him as an actor, but he's always he's always in roles that are just kind of like off kilter a little. Right, right. I'm curious to see him in like not just a hero role, but just kind of like I don't know. I don't know normal what kind guy of role. Role. I don't want to say normal because that's not. I don't want to say that. <laughs> I want to say like, yeah. like, like this is this is going to be a way off example, but like the movie uh, The Family Stone, the father's played by Craig T. Nelson. Mm-hmm. Okay, like that kind of role. I would have loved to see like Harrison Ford do like a role where he's not the lead. He's like uh, kind of like just a father figure, just kind of right. like you know he's part of the cast. He's you know he's not like. Indiana Jones, he's not like Han Solo. He's like I'd like I think he would be good in something like that. But then I remember reading an article where he's like, Well, I can't do more roles like that because I'm I'm a big time movie star and that's all they'll see is me in that big time movie star. I disagree with that. But uh, you know and he did Mosquito Coast. Yeah, I know, but that was in the eighties. I'm talking about now. Yeah, talk- he was already pretty big by then. Yeah, but Mosquito Coast is also but also it's Mosquito Coast is, is his movie. It's him and That's Little true. Phoenix. He's the one that made it. Yeah. 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 Uh so I'm saying that like to take it back to this, I'd like to see like Ben Foster in something that, you know, would normally go to somebody, some, you know, somebody that they feel safe with. You know what I mean? Like, like him playing the straight man in a comedy or him playing like, you know, just kind of like the hero, not, not like the evil sidekick villain or something like that. Right. I think he could handle that. I, I think he knows he can oh, handle sure, that. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I think casting directors should try to get him in something like that. Cause I think, I think that would only, oh, maybe he doesn't want that. That's fine too. You know, maybe he enjoys these roles. That's fine too, you know. But um I think he could do a lot. I think he like when we talk about the acting, we talk I, we talk about Crow, we talk about Bale and this I think he's right up there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The other actor that I like that I don't know if you have seen him and stuff is the guy who plays Butterfield, Dallas Roberts. Uh I didn't recognize him, but he was in the stupid bowler hat and the mustache, so. <laughs> well, the I'll tell you right now. The original Butterfield in the in the 57 movie is this really Portly fellow. I can see that. They called him Butterfield. They, no, no, come on. <laughs> he was in Dallas Buyers Club. He played Sam Phillips in Walk the Line, where he tells that story to 
Joaquin Phoenix was playing Johnny Cash about I I, I need that one song. Okay, that yep. on the tracks. He gives him that story. He's in the gray. He's in my friend Dahmer. He doesn't play Dahmer. He plays his brother, I believe, or his friend or something like that. Um, he was also in this TV show called Rubicon, which was on AMC, which was a which was only one season because they canceled it. But it was about analysts in New York City where they were part of this CIA. Uh, analyst group they would just they're all secretive and they would just break codes and stuff like that and just kind of like you know just that's what they're that's what it was called right he he wasn't the lead in that james badge dale in it but anything dallas roberts is in i re, he's really really good and he's not in enough stuff and i've always said that some of the scripts that i've written because my buddy and adrian and i really like dallas roberts that a lot of times we see him in a lot of the roles like i i kind of like i want him to get a break like where he's more mainstream, people know who he is. He's really, really good. Hmm. So if you ever see, if you ever catch Rubicon, it's only one episode, one series, one season. So it's kind of like you might get into it, and then you're like, Fuck, it's a, it's just <laughs> over. So, but he, but I love him in Walk the Line. He's really good when he, and he's only in it for ten minutes, right? Um, and he delivers like the best line in the movie, I think, or well, one of the best lines in that movie, which well, I just said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like him. I mean, the the whole group was good. I mean, Peter uh, Fonda does a great job as McElroy. Yeah. McElroy is the... Uh, Which I was shocked he was in this. Like, I, I mean, like, I felt like, was he in the original? And then he wasn't. I'm like, how'd you get Peter Fonda? Like, I'm surprised. Like, I don't know, but hey, loves Westerns. I like it. I like, he was good in it. He was good. Although, I don't believe for a second that he wouldn't have gotten, just died after getting shot in the stomach. <laughs> I love when he gets killed. You know, even when he throws them off the ledge, it's such a great. Even bad guys love their mamas. Even bad guys love their mamas. I always liked you, Byron. You never knew when to shut up. Even bad men love their mamas. It's just like, ah. Bad men love their moms. He just goes, woof. They don't even check to make sure he's alive. They're just like, uh, he's, he's dead. He's got <laughs> they don't look over the ledge and nothing. <laughs> I also love Alan Tudyk's character. Alan Tudyk is great. He's a great character actor. I really like him. Yep. Um, and he does a really good job as the doctor. I love when they bring Byron into the his hospital, all, his yeah, all doctor's yeah. office. And he's looking around. It's just pig fetuses and horse uh, diagrams. Like, what kind of doctor are you? And he goes... It's great to have a patient who I can have a conversation <laughs> with, and he smiles at him. <laughs> I thought that was great. Let me get shot in the back. Oh. <laughs> did you see what I? Did you see what I swung that shovel? <laughs> what uh, else? What else jumped out? Uh, the exploding horse. I thought it was. Oh, gross. and they shot the. I forgot that. I forgot about that. That's all special effects. Well, I like. I like that they just they they shoot the thing and then you actually see the pieces of the horse. It's like oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, gross. Usually when something like that blows up, you don't see the chunks coming out. And there you did. I'm like, oh, gross. Come on. <laughs> I got another money thing for you. Ooh, no. hit me. So the Pinkerton wage was $18 a day. They make a note of it. They're paid $18 a day not to be late. Uh, is $465.97 per day nice. in today's money. Not bad. That's not, I know. I'd, I'd be a Pinkerton. Right. Like, but they're bad, though. So. <laughs> I mean, there, there's other just like little lines I like. I like when William and Wade are going off about Dodge City mm-hmm. and how you're great at shuffling cards. You know, it's the best place money can buy. And the women that'll do anything to you, blah blah blah. I've I've seen things. I've gone places that you couldn't even imagine, boy. And then Dan uh, Dan says, 
And how many families did you destroy? How many mm-hmm. men did you kill? And he just looks there straight in the eye and just says, quite a few. <laughs> like he just admit he it's just further like he just admits that he's not a good person. Oh he, yeah, he's not. I mean, he's not. I don't think he's embarrassed by it or ashamed of it. I should say. I think he's just this matter of fact. It's matter. Yeah, it's the way the world works, and mm-hmm. that's who he, what he is. I also like in there because Pot- he says like women will do a lot to you, and Potter's Doc Potter's like also give you a lot. They'll give you a lot too, or something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. Also, it's really uncomfortable when he's trying to seduce Dan's wife in the. Uh, yeah, I didn't get. I didn't Alice. Alice I, I yeah. didn't get if she was receptive to that either. I didn't. I couldn't gauge whether she liked it, whether she didn't like it, whether she was uncomfortable. I don't know. I couldn't gauge Alice's character completely. We only see her for the opening. We don't spend a lot of time right. with her. Yeah. Was she embarrassed by Dan? Did she? You know, he does. Have, like I said, he has that line where he's like, "The way you don't look at me," that kind of thing. Now I'm tired, Alice. I'm tired of watching my boys go hungry. I'm tired of the way that they look at me. I'm tired of the way that you don't. I've been standing on one leg for three damn years waiting for God to do me a favor. And he ain't listening. So does she not love him? Does she Does she love him? Does she want to move? The whole fact that they moved out there because their youngest son has tuberculosis and they needed a dry climate, but she's all like, let's just leave. And, he, and it's like, so where are you going to go? Like, I didn't really, I didn't really, I couldn't, like I said, couldn't gauge her motivation. Right. So maybe she was interested in going with Ben Wade. It's, it's, that's what it made it seem like. Like she was like, that's how embarrassed, like Dan's not wrong. He's not right. just seeing things himself. She is a little embarrassed by him. He he comes off as really weak at the beginning. He comes off pathetic. He like does. he's not like I think he he's not stubborn. Like he says, I'm not stubborn. Right. But you tired? No, no. I'm keep fine. me. Am I not keeping? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get coffee. Well, that's your fault. I stayed up till four that o'clock in fault. the morning watching three ten. That's your fault. You don't plan out your day. You don't plan out your week, my man. <laughs> not, listen, everyone makes fun of me. Oh, not everyone. You make fun of me for not being able to get through a sitting. I did not get through this movie yeah. in one sitting. Field watch, two sittings. Listen, got a lot of shit to do. Listen, I'm here. I'm recording. I'm ready to go. I, yeah, but you're, you're yawning. I'm sorry. I, I would have bought you a coffee. Yawn. You know, that's your fault. <laughs> The sound you see now is me strangling Mike. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I lost my, I don't know where I was talking about now because you're damn yawning. Should have just kept on fucking talking. <laughs> um, He's not pathetic. He's oh, not right, stubborn. Right. Right. Okay, yeah. So like, like he says, I'm not stubborn, but you know, but like he is so, because he doesn't feel the need to clarify his intentions, I think because he's quiet, because he's in his own head, as we said, I'm talking right. about Dan Evans. No, I'm yawning. Yeah, I, I'm like, um, that I think that, that it comes off like as pathetic. Like when Hollander tells him, you know, sometimes a man has to know that he's, I can't remember the line where he's like, a man sometimes has to know he's not as strong as weak. You know what I mean? Or can't. Oh, damn it. When I can't, he's reached his. Uh, yeah, 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 I can't remember the line, but Hollander tells him, like, to the, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, sometimes a man has to admit that he's weak or has to admit that he's not the good, not strong enough to do right. whatever. So. Even though he has doesn't have a leg, like Dan doesn't believe that. Like Dan has one mission to to. They came out here for his son. He does not want to leave the land because his son is sick, and he needs to make money. And this is what he's gonna do. And he's a good good man, even though everybody is telling him otherwise. Like even right. though his son shits on him, uh, even though his wife 
doesn't like you look at him the same way again even though hollander you know they burn his barn hollander treats him like crap taking his land stealing him because he got swindled he, he got he borrowed money from hollander for this land right and then he's like yeah sure cuts off the water because hollander wants to sell the land to the railroad and railroad's gonna take it he's gonna make a huge amount of money he doesn't give a crap about evan's family right you know so and i think the one person obviously in this story is wade who sees him for who he is but albeit it doesn't really come to fruition till the end but Wade understands him more than any of everyone else. Right. And it's it's too bad that you – know, obviously, it's too bad that Evans dies at the end. <laughs> but it's too bad that we don't get to see any kind of resolution between Alice, his wife's perception of her husband. You know what I mean? We do get it with the son, but we don't get it with the wife. And it's just – you know that's something that's kind of like – that's open ended at the end. Mm, you know what I mean? It goes back to a thousand dollars and running water. No, I yeah, but I know yeah, that. But like, yeah, but like, to just to kind of assume. She, yeah, but like, I'm, I'm not saying I want a shot of her standing out in the prairie, looking out with her, with tears down her I face. I think that's what you, I think that's what you want, Mike. I, I think that's what you that. want. I just think it's unfortunate that we don't get that. Well, that Dan's we got to die. I almost feel like. Like if Ben Wade, le- like, so at the end of the, because at the end of the movie he gets on the train and he whistles for his horse and his horse falls, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the movie, uh, when I almost feel like he escapes from Yuma, he comes back, goes, takes care, of, like goes and marries Alice, takes care of, his <laughs> son. Like, you know what I mean? Like I almost picture like, is that happening? But then I'm like thinking like, that's the freaking plot to Unforgiven, because <laughs> he comes because he's such a bad man, finds love. Ends it all, like stops that. You still got them green eyes. <laughs> yeah, bust down the door. That's the thing. Like it's very, because now I'm shifting over to Wade. You know, Wade's character is very, oh, not mysterious, but hard to. Another one that's hard to gauge because he tells you I'm a bad guy. Right. But so like every moment that he has with everybody, is there any genuine moment ever? It's it's hard to pin down. His motivation as to why he is the way he is and what his end game is. What is his end game? Is it to just keep robbing and steal until he dies? Is it to go to Mexico and lie low and and be with like obviously he does want to be with the bartender, but like is there a, a they which they usually talk in outlaws like what's your end game or what what's your dream like mm-hmm. does Wade have a dream or is he just supposed to be thinking he's going to go down this endless endless path of violence like his motivation for survival like what is it? Mm-hmm. That's what I think was kind of missing from his character. And to be fair, it's not his story. This is Evan's story, right? So yeah, so it's not. I don't really mind like, it. I'm not going. No, oh yeah. man, I think we're asking for more because we enjoyed the movie. I think that right, and his character is really right. Good. You want to know more about right every character. This, yeah. But this is more about Dan Evans and his story. I mean, his cattle is used, even though he lost his cattle because of the of the fire. Mm-hmm. They use his cattle to stop the stagecoach so they can rob it in the beginning. So that's how he gets involved because he's just like, I just want my cattle, right? But which I like that scene. Like, even so, still need that cattle back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's Ben Wade you talk about. All right, <laughs> still need them cows. <laughs> but I mean, again, that's and I think that that's a you almost like in that scene you almost see Wade like respect that like you know he doesn't fear him. He just you know he wants the cattle. That's right. It. You know what I mean? Like I think that's great. I think so. Uh, clearly, we both like this movie. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anything else? I mean, I really don't have a lot because it, would, it just. I don't have a lot of notes too. I noticed. Yeah, I looked at your page. I was like, that's not a well, lot of no, notes. No, no, no. Don't. I know I have two. I have. 
if you're not for people who aren't seeing this, I have a notepad next to me that I wrote down. We're watching stuff, but I also write out a bunch of stuff. But yeah, no, because I'm watching the movie. I'm just watching right. it. I'm just like, yeah, right, oh, yeah, wait a minute. I should write that down. But I mean, I've, I've seen it enough times where I can remember certain things. I can sit here with you for another hour mm-hmm. and probably tell you what I want the sequel to be. <laughs> well, like I just told you, I want Unforgiven. But like the story is about, real quick, again, I've said it already. It's about her father and son. It's about Dan Evans. It's his character. It's almost like him showing everybody else that he is a good man and there are very few like good men and just to kind of relate to show that like when Wade is telling him what Butterfield's going to do mm-hmm. in terms of Butterfield's going to, he's going to think about it. Then he's got a family. He's going to come up here and like, Butter, and like they keep going back and forth and Butterfield comes up and he's like, listen, you don't have to do this. It's like, Oh, you know, like, but like even Butterfield who throughout the movie is supposed to be wants to get put Wade on that train. Even he cracks. And even the only person that doesn't is Dan Evans who says, no, we're, we're doing this. I said, I'm going to do this. You're going to pay me. Yep. I think that's you know that shows you that even though he's doing it for money, but it's for his family. He's one of the last few good men in this time. Right. I, I feel like even if Butterfield said no, he would still have gotten. Oh, absolutely. Him I think on the he train. He would have yeah. said like, yeah. Well, I'm I, one way or another. It's still you're still on that train. Yeah. And I think that. I, and I think even when Butterfield, I don't even in the movie when he says, you know, then all these people what they die for, Doc Potter, what they what they die for. Yeah. Um, and he says to him. You know, in that moment, I think Butterfield's like, damn, this, you know, it's almost like, God, this guy's a good, yeah, anything you want, I can make that happen, like that kind of thing. Get him on that train. Right, yeah, that, uh, that's what I like about Butterfield, too, yeah. is like he's not the typical, like, boss who hires you out and then ends up running for he's cover right at know. the end. Right. right. He's He's got some depth to him, which everyone does in the movie. Right. Uh, I also really like the scene where Wade starts offering um, Dan money. Yes. And starts offering you know, this cash. You're going to write the banknotes. And he's trying to think about it in his head. And it's you can tell it's it's an offer that he maybe isn't considering, but he's regretting that he's not going to get say yes. Well, and, he know he he's he knows that he's going to he knows that there's a high chance of probability he's going to die. Right. And uh, in, in getting and he would have died if Wade didn't help him. Oh, absolutely! Right, thing. right yeah. off the bat. Yeah, he's like, hey, he's like, he's like Dan. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, like, he shoots the guy that guy behind guy. him. Yeah, yeah, guys behind him. So yeah, no, I think that there was he knew that that he probably wasn't going to make it, but he was still going to do this because he needed the money. Right. It was all there was no other way around it. He he needed to he needed to show his son, his family that you know he's but, a, yeah. In that scene though, where he's being offered the money, you could like that's Christian Bale is such a great actor. Sure. Um, that you can see the depth. You can see exactly what he's thinking just in his face as he's looking at the window and he's smiling and then he frowns and he says his dialogue. Like it's it's the stuff behind the dialogue that really tells the story of like what's going on through his head. And I just thought that scene was fantastic. That's like mm-hmm. a standout scene for Bale. And I'm I'm really surprised that neither Bale nor Russell Crowe were nominated for this film because um, I think they just did a fantastic job. But it, uh, well, it came out. I think it's probably because it wasn't a huge, even though it was critically acclaimed. That's something actually we should probably go into because I've really ever thought of it. Why? Why are we doing this movie? Why do we? Why are we saying it's forgotten? I don't. I don't oh. know. I really don't know. It's really good. But I think westerns as a whole come out, they do well, and then they're forgotten about nowadays. They don't have. They're not the. The cinema classics that they were once were back, you know, in the in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, they're not the, the movie that audiences are are coming out in droves to see. It's mm-hmm. it's your grandfather's genre essentially. 
people want to see superheroes. They want to see contemporary things. They want to see futuristic things. They, histor- historical fiction, there's not a lot of room for it, I think, in terms of the mainstream audience anymore. A lot of it is, if it's going to be historical, it's going to be historical fantasy. It's going to be like Lord of the Rings. It's going to be Game of Thrones. Something like the Wild West just doesn't interest people anymore. And for what reason, I don't know. Well, give me an example of... Um, I can't even think of... Th- well, I was trying to think of uh, 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 Westerns that are recent. Like Bone Tomahawk came to mind. That's Bone Tomahawk. Oh, but Open Range isn't too Open too Range, No, no. It's about this. Right. Magnificent Seven. I mean, that had a great cast, and even I mean, that, that's not as good as Three Ten, right? Um, but it was decent, and even that kind of like came out, did well the first week, and then kind of dropped off the radar. No one talks about it anymore. I mean, it's on every time it's on. It's on TV all the time, right? This movie, and so I'll watch it, and I'm wondering if a lot of other people watch it. I'm wondering if it's because it's a remake. You know, I mean, I'm How wondering. How many people really remember it being a remake? True. I mean, or like within a, the tar- target audience that you want. Like a movie like Unforgiven is, was wildly popular, but that's because Clint Eastwood was in it. Right. Uh, Coming back to a genre that he had left. Right. And because Gene Hackman is phenomenal in this movie, as is Clint Eastwood. That, that, I think that's, that's probably why that movie's so popular. But yeah, I can understand a movie like this. Just to go back to why they weren't nominated. So I will give you the nominees for Best Actor in a Leading Role. For that year, okay. So this would be the 2008 Oscars for the 2007 year of movies, right? So you had Daniel Day Lewis and There Will Be Blood, who won. George Clooney for Michael Clayton, Johnny Depp for Sweeney Todd and the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, Tommy Lee Jones for In the Valley of Ela, and Viggo Mortensen for Eastern Promises. Now I will tell you that I will say that I bet you that Bale and Crow probably split their vote because what are you putting them up for? You have to put Evans, you have to put Bale up for lead, right? Or you have to put both up for supporting. Okay, and okay. I could see like I could see you could take out Johnny Depp there <laughs> uh, for actor in a supporting role. You have Javier Bardem for No Country for Old Men, who won. Casey Affleck for the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman for Charlie Wilson's War. Uh, he should have won. Hal Holbrook for Into the Wild, and Tom Wilkinson for Michael Clayton. Yeah, that's kind of rough. that's tough. Michael Clayton's awesome. Michael Clayton is really these, good. These, it's actually these, on our list. Right, it is. Um, I actually put. I think I put Charlie Wilson's War on this list, just because I want to talk about it. But anyways, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I mean, they're up against. They're, you're always up against stiff competition. I think the idea is that who's the, who's the lead, who's the supporting. You know, we can sit here and tell you that Christian Bale is is Dan Evans is the lead character. He's certainly not the supporting. No, but you can say that there's two leads. You have to, but you have to remember Oscars are. It's political. Well, I, you know I what I mean? That, yeah. it's, it's not It's not about the, the movie. Who's it's the about, best, right. It, exactly. It's about, you know, what made the bigger impact sometimes. Like Johnny Depp getting nominated for Sweeney Todd. I don't see that, but that might be. He's really it. good. He's really good in Sweeney Todd, but that's more like I can see him being nominated because the um, Globe splits up comedy. Sure. Um, from the, I could see that being more because it's a comedy musical. Right. Than being a serious drama. So again, you think this? You think just to bring it back to three ten, right? That the genre played a big part in why. I think the genre. I think you're right, but also the fact that it was in September, the fact that it didn't make a lot of money. Where, where would you put? It? I mean, no, maybe you could have put it in December. You should have. You could have, but you're you, not putting it in the summer. But again, they were like I said, they moved up a month to get to move away from the other two westerns. Maybe like you about. said, not putting it at um, TIFF, the Toronto Film Festival. That probably hurt. Probably didn't help. But. That, but they were trying to follow the path that, that they did with Crash and that won the Oscar. 
This is not the same movie. No, 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 absolutely not. That's the problem. You're listen. You're 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 gambling with these things when you're in when you're in you know executive in a studio. You're trying to just figure out the best thing possible. It's still a great movie. You know, uh, no, even if it didn't get nominated or awards. I mean, there's. I mean, it's still a really good movie. So, bravo. So you you say you would recommend a rewatch of this one? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you like westerns, you'll love that. I mean, I can. This is if someone said like, "Hey, man, I need like a, I want to just watch westerns, you know, all week long. Can you give me a bunch of that'd be one of them. I'd do that. I'd do Open Range, Unforgiven, which if they hadn't seen, um, I'd even do Bone Tomahawk. I like that movie. It's, I like it's Bone a Tomahawk, rough. but I feel like it's rough. Yeah, there's there's some people who aren't gonna want that. In their well, westerns. they're not gonna like the violence. Yeah, yeah, but. That ain't me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I prefer a grittier western than to like more than the stylized western. I prefer the more modern ones to the classics for the most part because they gloss over things. They glorify hunting Native Americans usually. It, it's some of that kind of like well, they uh, had that in three ten. They talk about they don't glorify it. They but don't they glorify bring, it, yeah, but yeah. you know you got the they talk about the Apaches, yeah. but they're not like going to hunt the Reds and stuff like well, that. Of course, which not. is just. You watch that in those movies, and you're just like, oh, come on. Well, that's just that's that that's a time. That's a, that's I understand a, that's, that's of a, the time. Yeah, it's of the time, and you just you don't want to ignore that. Like we've talked about before, you don't want to ignore that stuff because that happened by by pretending that by whitewashing that bad word choice by by trying to wipe away that the all the bad stuff that was in the past that you saw in movies, like whether it's stereotypical, um, you know, bad language, whatever. Right. Like you're you're. Telling people that oh that never happened, but it did happen, and they should be embarrassed by it, and they should understand like that's not right, and you don't say that, and you know sure. So yeah, no, I hear you. That's what more some of the more modern uh, westerns sure. will oh of course tackle a lot better, I think. But I think they tackle it. But I think now you have like you have it, you have a discerning opinion almost like like in this one like when he's talking about how McRoy killed all those Apaches, right? And killed kids and you know three year old kids, and and McRoy doesn't care, but like clearly. Wade's bringing it up because you know everyone else is going to care. Yeah, that's bullshit. You know, bullshit. You murdered these kids. Yeah. You know, you murdered these kids, and 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 you know. So I think now you'll have you'll still have stories about like somebody in the thing will be like we'll, we'll be like you know all those reds or just we'll be anti Native American, right? But then you'll have somebody else in there being like yeah, you're wrong, like that kind of thing, right? And like, it's shown it's it's shown to kind of almost demonize this figure, right? Which it's is, not it's not a, it's yeah, not which a cool is what thing. I'm saying. Yeah, Don't yeah. not show it, but like do it in a way that. Is truthful for the atrocities sure. and the awfulness that it was, which also makes your story more compelling to begin with. Oh, absolutely! It adds more drama to it. Well, because nobody, nothing's ever like hunky dory all the time. Which is great because the thing in the old westerns is everything is black and white in old westerns, yep. not just in the way it was colored, but also in the way that they did the story. <laughs> hey, zing! Um, um, but new modern westerns. What I like about modern westerns is it's almost they take kind of the noir story type of there are no great characters there are no heroes there are no not in the wild west no in the wild west and that's what a lot of like starting (laughs) with unforgiven there's no martin mcfly (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) so i think like kind of starting with almost unforgiven or even maybe the outlaw josie wales yeah a lot of those movies started to shift toward western started to shift toward just great characters mm-hmm. and i think that really makes them more compelling and more interesting to watch the more oh absolutely absolutely they're, they're definitely would you call the revenant a western we're off topic but yeah kind of i call it a western wilderness. i wouldn't say wilderness i mean there's no such thing as a a wilderness theme i think or, that's more like a survival film then yeah it. but it's 
I could I, I could make the case for a western. Western adjacent. <laughs> That's a new genre. I'm doing a western adjacent movie. <laughs> It's got no R beats, but Western it's Western adjacent. <laughs> Western adjacent. It's a rom com. Western adjacent. <laughs> Darn Martin McFly. Darn Martin McFly. Oh, blimey! <laughs> God. Nobody. I like Back to the Yabba. Future three, but I'm not going to count that as a western. You can't count that as a western. It takes place entirely in the Wild West. It doesn't take place in a legitimate Wild West. <laughs> I'd call it a western comedy. <laughs> Sci-fi. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Sci-fi adjacent. Sci-fi adjacent. Nice. We've created a new subgenre. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So go watch Three Ten Yuma. Woo! And now the plugs. After you, sir. Okay. All right. So I guess I'll plug. Uh, I don't know. You guys know that I uh, got a couple books out. Uh, the Adam Parker series. They're on Amazon.com. Uh, you could just search by my name, Michael Field, or Amazon. Or you can go to michaeldfield.com, and I've got everything there that I do. Uh, videos, uh, some books. Uh, yeah. That's it. That's what I got. That's my plugs. That stuff. All Mike. right. Mike? Well, for to start, the, I'd like to do, because we, we're trying to. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We're trying a little a little harder now to plug other people, not just ourselves, not just our own self-gratification during this segment. So we like to plug other people that either we know, we've worked with, or we've seen um, around podcasting or, or just kind of in the entertainment business in general that we want to kind of do a shout-out to and, and let you guys know to check them out. So this time we're going to do a special shout-out to our buddy Russ Lyman, who I don't know if you've hey seen. Hey, guys. <laughs> I said that with love. Uh, we have worked with Russ before. You've probably seen our, hopefully you've seen our video we did with Russ when we did our Hudson Hawk video game crossover episode where we play the terrible, terrible video game of Hudson Hawk um, based on the mediocre film Hudson Hawk. But Russ does a whole lot of stuff on his YouTube channel. You can find him as Russ Lyman. He does DIY stuff to make custom consoles, controllers, different things. He does pass or play videos, which is what we did. He'll go talk about retro games. He goes to game tours. He'll show you his awesome Mario Kart car and how he built it. So his channel is basically all things retro video games. It's really cool. He's a really fun, really nice uh, guy who does a lot of silly kind of interesting stuff on his YouTube channel. So check him out. That's Russ Lyman. Uh, on YouTube, and we're gonna try to do an episode with him here. We were talk, we were spitballing like some like uh, video game, video game movies that were yeah. that that were decent. That I can't remember what we landed on. It's tough to find one. This is true, but we're gonna find one. I think we're going to probably do Mortal Kombat, the first one, the first Mortal Kombat. I mean, I would also love to do the Super Mario <sighs> Brothers movie. With that one, but all right. What's well, I got problems? With, I listen. Super Mario is I'm awful, you, but it's right now. It's enjoyable. There are no con- there are no video game movies that I like. Go ahead. No, that's exactly the problem. There so has whatever, been anything really you pick. Movie. I'm gonna just get ready for the uh, the counter argument on my side. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> if you got, if you're here to be the villain, that's what you're here to be. <laughs> <laughs> some of us last, some of us last long enough to us. <laughs> I was gonna do a Dark Knight line, but I forgot it. <laughs> no, Dark Knight Rises. Damn. Dark Knight. Yeah, that's a Dark Knight Rises line. No, that's Dark Knight line. That's Dark Knight. No. Oh, you're right. Damn it! I did it again. My bad. You're fired from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you cut it out. That's true. Uh, so 
if you want to hear more stuff that I do, I do two other podcasts. I do Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews, where every episode we open a new craft beer, talk about the beer style, the history of the beer style. Uh, we kind of we don't review the beer, but we talk about what we think of it. And we do a little history on the. Isn't brewery. that reviewing the beer when you talk about? What you oh, think we don't it? rate it. We don't give it like a nine out of ten. We just this go gets nine cents. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, we don't drink stuff we don't like because we've tried it before the podcast. No, you got to do stuff that you don't like, so you can be like, "Oh, this is awful." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we talk as we're drinking the beer. After we talk about the beer, we do a little rundown of recent pop culture news. We'll review movies, TV shows, what's streaming, uh, what movies or stars got announced. So if you're interested to hear my take on more, you know, modern day to day stuff that's not forgotten, that'd be where I would talk about it. Yeah, I only talk about old movies. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've also got. Another podcast, Two Player Bros, that I do with my brother Alex. It's about two brothers who play way too many video games. Yes. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I apologize. Listen, you're just mad we don't have a tagline yet. I'll no, make a tagline you, you, for you us. Like really get in, like way too many video games. Like you can really get into it. It's just, it's, 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 it's cute. <laughs> I'm it's called, sorry. It's called voice acting. I apologize. <laughs> Please, you've taken voice acting classes. I didn't know that. Did you really? I took a radio class. Yeah. Oh, I didn't take anything. I sound good. No, no, I don't. Damn, you sound fine. Shut up. Uh, you son of a bitch. I lost. <laughs> I, let me refresh you. Way too many video games. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We do play way too many video games. So, join me and my brother Alex as we play those way too many video games. And <laughs> uh, we talk about and review all of the latest video games on all current systems, including PC and VR. And we'll preview games that we get demos for, and we'll talk about the latest video game news and give our opinions yeah. on that. One would argue that you're playing way too many video games is the reason why you're cutting your not you're staying up to four a.m. in the morning watching the movies for Forgotten Cinema. Listen, Super Mario Maker Two is really uh, really good. I don't good. care. I don't care about that. I care about Forgotten Cinema. Well, that was because I was at work. Okay, that's right, fine. I didn't get the I'll DVD until later. Right, yeah. I apologize. No problem. I'm sorry. No problem. I, I was gonna watch it at work, but my laptop does not have a uh, DVD player in it. <sighs> My no no laptops square. really do anymore. No. It's by an external. <laughs> and then drop it like I do. <laughs> Say that too close to my external. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped my external hard drive and I damaged it. So. Field lost all of our Forgotten Cinema or all of the non-episode Forgotten Cinema stuff. I, I lost the first season. But like, don't worry. We're fine. <laughs> I mean, I just have to redo a lot of stuff, which sucks, but it's fine. So this has been a lot of rambling this episode, so but listen, if you so, like this so put podcast... The, put, put this on our page, the Patreon, to buy me a new external. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Mike. Well, actually, no. Hang on. Join us next week. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. So, yeah. so ne well, you were going straight to the other thing. I was going to do like and subscribe, and then I was going to do it. You know what? I apologize. Go ahead. So if you like to hear me and Mike ramble and uh, argue and bicker... <laughs> <laughs> Please like, rate, review, subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast. Please share it. That's the most important things. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your families. Shout it on the rooftops. Tell the world. Get leaflets. Get skywrite it. We'll get leaflets. We'll have them pass out. Oh, there we go. Uh, just tell people more about The more people listen to our podcast, the more stuff we can do with this podcast. And yeah, just thanks for listening, and I, we hope you keep listening. And now we have an announcement to make. So next week is going to start our... Forgotten Horror Month. Ooh. So all, all of our episodes for the month of... Stop. <laughs> you, you were supposed to give me space for a sound effect. Okay, wait, hang on. All right, go ahead. Here's your space for the sound effect. 
Oh, that's really well. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's great. That's I, like that sound effect I added in there. And I can't wait to see what you put in there. But anyways, <laughs> next month we're going. Oh, it's going. Next week is going to start a full month of horror movies. We're going to each week. We're going to basically break down a horror movie. Uh, we've already picked them out. Do, should I just say what they are? Yeah, I would say what they are. Okay, so next week we're actually going to do Near Dark, which is a vampire movie from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are also going, the following week we'll be doing 1408, starring John Cusack and Sam Jackson. Uh, Monster House, which is a comedy, oh, no, I'm sorry, which is a uh, kids movie, kids animated movie. We want to do one other kids one, uh, and I like Monster House, so I suggested Monster House. Burnt Offerings, which I have never seen. This is the first one that I have never seen. Well, you haven't seen 1408 either. No, I've seen parts of 1408. Okay. I've, I, I've not, but you're right. I, but Burnt Offerings, I have never, I actually never heard of. I'm really excited so, because. Yeah. That'll I'm... be the first, that'll be the first one <sighs> that we're watching, that we're going to review that I have never seen. It'll be the first one I've seen for the first time. I so. think there's only two movies on the entire list that we've done of movies for Forgotten Cinema that Field has not seen yet, yeah. so I'm, I'm excited yeah. for that. So that's Burn Offerings. It'll be that week. And then the final week, we're going to do the remake of Fright Night starring Colin Farrell. So, yeah. So that's our Forgotten Horror Month. Uh, I guess this is the big announcement. You'll start seeing some posts about it, and you know, once you know, I fix my hard drive. And <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. So we're excited because this is kind of our first themed yeah we're gonna try to do more kind of we want to do more stuff that's a little bit more i guess themed as mike said but just so yeah. if you have any forgotten christmas movies that are decent yes or holiday, holiday, movies. Way, holiday movies mike or holiday movies what do you mean we can't think of ones it's tough to think of good holiday movies well it's tough to think that of are forgotten movies. yes that's that's true join us next week for the beginning of our forgotten horror month of uh horror movies so yeah we're excited about that yes and uh Thanks for listening. Again, uh, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. I don't have a stuff at the end. Yeehaw! Stop, stop. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) (laughs)